Alright gang, welcome back to Celluloid Jelly, a podcast featuring a couple of X-Video store guys who just still love talking about videos and movies and all that other bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm CJ Talbot and joining me as always is my co-host. See there, Alejandro. How's it going, everyone? You know they can't talk back to you, right? Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> this is my greetings. <laughs> so uh, I think uh, this episode, um, I think uh, it's a special one. It wasn't necessarily planned, though I guess it could have been. Um, Probably should have been. Yeah. So, you know, we're not sure how much we're going to talk about it. You know, typically we always uh, discuss uh, older release films or something that uh, could tie into like a newer release film. Um, But I guess for this episode, we're just going to actually discuss the the blockbuster film Avengers Infinity War. Um, Try to get this out in a timely fashion. So, you know, we can get some good discussion, not only not only while it's fresh in our minds, but. For uh, our listeners on our community page, uh, you can have a, a nice spoilery discussion as well. Absolutely. And there, there's your spoiler uh, warning right there, kids. So if you guys have not seen Avengers Infinity War, we are going to talk about it in depth. We are going to spoil things. We're going to talk about who lives and who dies and the events of the film. Uh, so if you have not seen it, turn this off. Go to the theater. See it. You probably have because it's made a gazillion dollars already. Uh, but if not, don't let us spoil it for you. You have been warned. So, hey. Hey, snap. <laughs> now we're into it. Let's do it. So, like, okay. all right. I, I'm interested. I did see your, your letterboxed rating for the film, so I know that you really enjoyed the movie. Uh, so I'm going to let you start and talk about some of the things that you really liked about Infinity War. Okay. Um, I think Infinity War, now, I saw the film twice, I, I caught it opening night, and I caught it a few days later, after it had a, a bit of time to, to kind of set in my mind a bit. Overall, uh, I did enjoy the film. Uh, there's kind of like a, a crazy breath uh, to this film, and uh, a good service uh, to a lot of the characters, I think. Um, you know, it's pretty difficult to give each character uh, a moment to shine, but I think this movie does a pretty admirable job of it. Even if certainly other characters get a little bit more to do than others, I think uh, there's a built-in like joy to see characters from different franchises interact with each other. Um, I would agree with that. Yeah. The, the movie itself, um, it tends to lean towards the predictable, especially to a comic book reader. Um, and one of the things I enjoyed immensely it was uh, Josh Brolin's performance as Thanos. Uh, he gives a, a surprisingly nuanced uh, interpretation of the character, which uh, personally I, I was really happy with. Um, one of the weaknesses of a lot of MCU films does tend to be the villains in many cases. Uh, but I thought Thanos, um, he makes a strong case for uh, possibly the best MCU villain so far. Yeah, um, I think I think you're right. Definitely, I thought Thanos was good. I think Thanos's arc in the film, if you want to call it an arc, uh, or at least our insight into his character and and uh, uh, the course of action that he decides to take throughout the film, uh, is is stronger than what we usually get with the the MCU villains. Uh, I know a lot of people really liked Killmonger in Black Panther. Um, 
Uh, and, and I think he's fine. I think he's good. Um, but, you know, the MCU tends to have, and, and this is kind of a comic book thing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, in comic books, the the hero's main villain tends to be sort of like a mirror reflection of themselves, and I think that's really boring on a cinematic level. You know, like Iron Man, Iron Monger, uh, Black Panther and Killmonger, um, Hulk and Abomination, uh, you know, like, that, that, after a while, especially once they, they get sequels in and things like that, I, I tend to think that that's fairly boring. So Thanos is, um, you know, being such a powerful villain, being such a different kind of villain than we've seen in the past uh, was certainly kind of a breath of fresh air for that. And I think you're right, Brolin's really good in it. Um, and his scenes, uh, particularly I thought his scenes with uh, Gamora were pretty good. Yeah, I think uh, for a lot of people who um, who don't read comics, uh, I think they're gonna find they're gonna find uh, him pretty compelling. I think as someone who's really familiar with the character, it's not exactly the way he's he's uh, written, or as the way I interpret it as I read his character in many comics. Um, but the more I've thought about it, the more accurate I think it feels to like the tone of the character as opposed to being an exact portrayal of him. Yeah, there's there's kind of a a real um, I don't mean pleasant as far as like on screen. I mean like for me, I found it pleasant that he's sort of zen like, very calm. You know, like he has a purpose, he wants to fulfill that purpose, but it's not personal. Like he doesn't, you know, he doesn't get angry in the movie. Like he, it's you know, at least not until like he's in the middle of a fight against four other guys. Um, but you know, like the whole thing is like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. You guys can't stop me, and yes, a lot of people are going to die. There's going to be collateral damage, but in the end, it's going to be a good thing for the universe. Um, and I kind of, I kind of like that because a lot. He's not a snarling, mustache twirling villain. You know, he's he he. Like I said, he's got purpose uh, and and a point of view, and he he thinks he is the good guy, which is always a good trait for a villain to have. So. I think. Uh... Brolin specifically, I think they do a really good job of uh, peeling back uh, peeling back layers on the character as the film progresses. Um, as he obtains Infinity Stones, each each time he gets one, a little bit more is revealed about him, as well as his relationship with not just Kamora, but um, with the universe at large. Yeah. Uh, how about you? Uh, what did you? What was your gut reaction to the film? Well, I, I have to I have to say that this is not one of my favorite MCU movies. I, I think Thanos has done well. Um, I think my problem with this movie is not. I, I mean, I was pretty hyped for this, and I, I I did like you. I saw the movie twice, um, and I, I there was a couple of days in between just to kind of give me a little bit of breathing room and and kind of let it settle. Uh, and it's been a few days since my second screening. Uh, I liked it better the second time, but this movie is the culmination of like their Marvel Studios 10-year path. And what they've done is amazing. But the film in general, to me, seems like just a collection of moments and events that had to happen because they set this thing up, but I don't find a compelling story within this movie. I, I don't think any of the characters... Save for Thanos and what he's doing, I I don't I don't feel connected to them in the way that I have in certain other movies. Um, the action scenes I thought weren't particularly great. Um, I, in general, I thought the visuals were a little bit lacking 
for a film that's supposed to be such a giant event. Um, I think the, the visually, I think the thing that was the coolest was Thanos like using the gauntlet to like pull the moon down on Titan. Um, like that's a big like you know comic book image that they were able to put on screen. But aside from that, like I was kind of underwhelmed visually with the with the movie. Um, uh, there was some cool stuff with Thor, uh, and I, you will have to, uh, you know, tell me what the name of the planet is, but the, the star where he has to, um, get it restarted to, to create Stormbreaker. Oh, I'm not going to be able to tell you, like, I'll talk <laughs> uh, about my head. Okay, but, like, so, there were some good visuals in that scene. Um. Like, it's called, like, Boromir or something like that. Yeah. Boromir. Uh, yeah, so you know, I don't know. I, I was a little underwhelmed. Um, so and and it's, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure I can completely put my finger on why, um, but I don't know. I was just expecting more, maybe. I don't know. So and you know the thing that really bothers me, and we you know we're only a couple minutes into this thing, but you know I might as well get this off my chest <laughs> and see how you feel about it. I really feel like Marvel cheaps out on on drama by uh, by killing characters that we know are coming back. I mean, every character, every major character that they kill at the end of this movie has a sequel in the works. So we we know that when we get to the end of this movie, even though you've got moments where Peter Parker is dying and Black Panther is dead. And uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy, everyone's dead except for Rocket, you know. But they already have a Guardians 3 coming, and they already have a Spider-Man Homecoming 2, and they already have a Doctor Strange sequel in the works. And, uh, you know, and they've already gone on record saying Black Panther's going to have a sequel, even though there's no green light. But, I mean, that movie made so much money, they can't not do a Black Panther sequel. So, you know, obviously we know in Avengers 4, whatever they end up calling it, that uh, that they're going to either reverse the timeline or restart the timeline or get these guys back out of Valhalla or out of the Soul Gem or whatever the you know whatever the hell is going to happen, you know. So I kind of feel like it's a little cheaped out that way. Um, but I do think it's funny that we're back to like the original lineup. Like they basically kill all the people they introduced after the Avengers. So that, you know, the people who are left are Tony Stark and Steve Rogers and the Hulk and Hawkeye is out there somewhere. Black Widow is still there. Um, and uh, I'm missing one. Thor. Thor. <laughs> Thor, who's, the, for me, the best part of the whole damn movie. <laughs> Thor and Rocket and Groot, I love their scenes together. So. Uh, well, I think uh, you're, you're hitting, like, a criticism um, that's kind of uh, been leveled at Marvel Comics uh, for quite a while. In recent years, there's been a tendency to do uh, really large-scale events, you know, um, I guess brand-wise uh, within the comic series. So you see stuff like Civil War, Avengers vs. X-Men, you know, uh, Secret Empire, uh, the new Secret War. Um, I think with a, lot of, with a lot of characters, barring some minor deaths, a, a lot of times um, for readers, there's not there's not so much a sense of stakes that exists uh, whenever you read those books. And I think what you're, what you just uh, referred to is probably pretty accurate to, to this film, knowing that 
it must continue kind of makes you feel, you know, confident um, that everything will return to the way it was before. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it, it was a surprise because, you know, the whole thing was this movie is going to change the Marvel Universe and all, you know... We, it's it's all been very public and very kind of open as far as the contract negotiations that have gone on with with Downey and Evans and Hemsworth and all these guys, and we knew that they weren't going to play these characters forever. So this this was a real. I mean, obviously they're moving towards another movie with these characters, but this was an opportunity for them to go out with grace notes or to have the that sort of amazing like blaze of glory ending for some of these guys that they that they could have had and they at least in this film chose not to do that and i kind of feel like it's it's just a little bit toothless in that way uh i think uh this film specifically uh in regards to that uh i think going into the movie there's there was been you know probably like more speculation about what the plot, you know, what specific things were going to happen into this film that, you know, maybe even some Star Wars movies. Um, I think one of the prevailing things in the film was knowing that people, characters that you know would die. Um, and one of the prevailing theories, of course, was like Tony Stark, um, Captain America. Um, those two specifically would be the ones at risk. And I think because of such expectation being able to be doing something different away from it was able to instill like moments of, uh, you, you mentioned you were shocked, but um, not only that moments of shock, but also surprise. And, um, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure how, what's the right way to articulate this, but, um, but giving you moments uh, in the film that are memorable, um, especially, I guess specifically the thing everyone's talking about, of course, is like, uh, the finger snap um, at the end of the film. Right. Um, I think if it's a surprise as that moment, because it, it hits you so quick, there's like almost like a, maybe not like a, like a whip around of, of characters dying. But when you see it happen, especially because you're mentally, especially in the first viewing, you're not necessarily prepared for what you're seeing in that, um, in those prevailing moments, you know? Um, so I think the film succeeds in, in being able to surprise people and um, there are there are certain moments certain characters disappearances affect you quite a bit more I think than others I'm talking specifically about spider-man um, and Bucky for some people I guess yeah I mean black Panther I think I think definitely it's it's important for Bucky because they they show him disappearing first out of anyone yeah and he's his last words are Steve and he's kind of walking over towards Captain America so yeah mm-hmm. so I think once that happens, people start disappearing, and I think one of the good one of the good things about that moment is that I could be wrong, but I don't think that there's there's not really any music, or it's a very light music that's playing during those scenes. So so you know when when people it's not like overbearing with horns or anything like that. So when people disappear, it's got like a, a, a sense of unease that it instills in you. Um, it's more yeah, it's definitely more of a quiet moment because you know people aren't necessarily you know, screaming and death or there's not explosions and, or anything like that. But you're, you're seeing characters that, you know, you've been following for, for a decade now almost um, kind of expending themselves, um, especially, you know, in that moment when it's unexpected. And um, while I was aware 
uh, what the Infinity Gauntlet could do. Uh, seeing it realized on screen, I think, is still pretty affecting. And I think, for me, a lot of joy I had or enjoyment I had out of this film comes from, you know, seeing that stuff realized in, in flesh and bone. Yeah. Yeah. Echo, <laughs> echo, echo. Okay. Yeah, we're good. Um, well, <laughs> for those of you who can hear my dog eating in the background, um, <laughs> sorry about that. I can't hear him. I can't hear. Him. I tried to get her to eat like an hour ago, and she wouldn't. And she, you know, of course, as soon as we start recording, that she decides to go over there and chomp down. So, <laughs> you know, that's you can't control them. Just like kids. Um, yeah, um, I, I don't know, I, I think, I think I've said my piece as far as, like, the negativity goes, like, you know, I, I did enjoy this movie, um, I, you know, so, you know, now's the time, I guess, we should just jump into specific moments and, like, you know, geek out a little bit, because, um, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, like, I really liked the pairing of Thor with Rocket and Groot, um, I thought that worked tremendously well uh and hemsworth continues to surprise me in every movie by how charming he is how funny he is um on screen i I don't i probably would never have said this as far as like the comics go but like on screen he is my favorite avenger like over over the last 10 years you know his his performance has won me over i am now a thor fan yeah big time yeah um and uh, and the Stormbreaker scene is terrific, and I love that Groot, you know, is is part of that, and that he like he had to create the handle for Stormbreaker. Um, and when Thor summons the uh, the Bifrost, uh, and you see that, you know, because obviously when they're on Wakanda, they're sort of like the tide is turned, and they're kind of losing the battle. And when Thor shows up, that is the moment of the film for me, like as far as like. If you think back to like the first Avengers movie and you had that shot where they, the music kicks in and they have the swirling camera work and you finally see them all back to back together, ready to fight. For me, that moment in this film was that when Thor shows up, like oh, yeah, absolutely. That, I mean, that, it, that kicked ass totally. Yeah. It also used like, uh, you know, I guess uh, who does the Avengers score? Uh, Sylvester. Yeah. Um, you know, that, the themes kicks in at that moment too though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's the moment when that's supposed to be the moment. I definitely think uh, that moment had the lar- largest cheer opening night at the theater that I re- that I re- remember. Yeah, and during that battle, I also love the part where um, uh, the little banter back and forth that Bucky has with Rocket, and we, and where Rocket says like, you know, how much for the gun, and he says it's not for sale, and he's like, how much for the arm. And he, he doesn't say anything. He just gives him a look and walks away. And Rocket goes, oh, I'm going to get that arm. <laughs> oh, I fucking love that. He's got, a, he's got a collection of, like, you know, like body, of body <laughs> parts, like, somewhere. Maybe he'll make, like, a, a weird little, like, Frankenstein creature. <laughs> well, anytime um, Nebula needs something, she just go to Rocket. Yeah. Uh, that that torture scene with Nebula, I thought, was pretty good too. Like that, because that was the one way to get like to Gamora. So um. I think uh, there's there's a pretty um, I think there was a surprising amount of like duality that exists in this film. 
that I really that I really uh, enjoyed. Um, I mean, you had like I guess the sibling relationship between uh, Nebula and uh, Gamora, which in Guardians of the Galaxy two, they of course kind of like settled pretty much by the end of by the end of the film. Right. Um, so I think uh, Thanos. I think there's a dimension to um, maybe not his cruelty, but but to his like um, how invested he is in his vision. Uh, on his ability to kind of use the love that someone has for like a family member or people that they care about against them. So like, of course you got like the moment where he's torturing Thor by, uh, by crushing his head and uh, exposing him to the power stone, um, causing Loki to, to give up uh, his, the space gem. Yeah. Uh... And as well as, you know, torturing nebulas for, for Gamora's information about the soul gem. Um, but yeah, there, there's more than a couple, there's more than a couple things, uh, that I, that I like that, um, that mirror each other during the film, um, at certain points. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised that the opening scene was a Thanos scene to be honest, but, uh, but it was, it was, you know, it's, it wasn't bad. Um, I think the opening scene is pretty damn good. Honestly. Um, I think, the black, uh, the Colob City and Black Order, people don't. The average comic, the average comic reader doesn't even know who they are, let alone like regular moviegoers. But I think Thanos, um, to moviegoers, they need to establish him as an incredible, like dominant force. And I don't think you do anything better than by messing with people's perceptions, as you know, showing him beat beat the shit out of the Hulk yeah. in the opening scene. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that's they did what they had to do. Essentially, is they they just you know they unleash the Hulk and then they show that you know for Thanos it's just playtime, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, like he, he beats the, <clears throat> he beats him so hard that like the Hulk is afraid to come out for the entire film. I never thought that we wouldn't see the Hulk past the first ten minutes of this movie. Yeah. That, now I'll tell you that was a surprise. To be honest, I'm not sure that I I really liked that. Um, but you know, it, it, it does give us more time with Mark Ruffalo and, um, and having him in the Hulkbuster armor was pretty fun. So, yeah, I think it subverts expectations, which I think, um, a movie like, uh, like say last Jedi, like does as well. Um, right. So I, I mean, you know, having people guess, you know, some things prove to be true. Some, some things prove to be untrue going into the film. Um, but yeah, but I think knowing everything, um, it's it's nice to have something that's been such so scrutinized still surprise you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, what about some of the other character pairings? What were some of your favorites? Uh, character pairings? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you mentioned the Thor, Rocket, and Groot uh, scene. I think that's really good. I want to reiterate, uh, I guess, kind of back up your, your Thor, Thor thing, but I think the moment when he's talking to Rocket acting as captain, um, I think that's a really good moment where he's talking about his loss and you get a, like a, a really nice moment where he's kind of like kind of grief stricken, uh, for a little bit, um, before kind of stealing himself. Yeah. It's, it's nice because, um, it's, it's emotional, but it's also still funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Hemsworth is still playing it straight, but it's, we're just so used to Thor, you know, um, kind of being the straight man, and everything being funny, that, uh, yeah, that you still kind of get a little bit of... You know, he, he's confident on a level even beyond Tony Stark, you know? Yeah. So to, to see vulnerability, especially considering he's um, 
he realizes that, uh, you know, maybe it's not necessarily false bravado, but he realizes that, you know, there's really, there's a really good chance that he's not going to get out of this. Yeah. You know? Well, that also seems like it might've been the first time he actually had the opportunity to stand there and like realize how much he's lost in the past, you know, movie and a half. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, he basically like lost correct, his father, his sister, yeah. his brother, yeah. his hammer. <laughs> Everything's gone. His sister. So. Um, I like the Guardians movies, but I like the characters more than I like the movies. I think a little bit. Um, but Quill annoys the shit out of me, um, especially uh. in this movie. In, gen- in general, he's, he's in just general. a little too jokey, and and I I think Chris Pratt is amusing, but I don't think he's as funny as maybe other people think he is. You know, the filmmakers think he is because like some some of his like quips and and uh, like comedic moments just don't land for me for whatever reason. So I kind of find him grating a little bit. Um, uh, though it is uh, like when they have Thanos sort of locked down and Mantis is kind of doing her thing and. You know he's he's the one who basically can't control himself. Uh, I do think that is a good moment, uh, and I think that that's kind of satisfying. You know because you you realize that's the type of character he is. Um, I, I'm I think uh, yeah, definitely to to the way he's been portrayed in the other two films. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I think yeah, well, but I, I like the other characters better. Like I I think Drax is hilarious. I love Drax. Yeah, he's. Cool. More than a uh, more than a handful of really good moments in this film, and you know, having such memorable memorable bits amongst like you know two dozen characters, two dozen other characters, it's it's, it's hard to do, but he pulls it off. Yeah, mm, definitely. Um, speaking about that scene, uh, I guess where Doctor Strange, Iron Man, Mantis, uh, Star Lord, and Spider Man are trying to um, restrain. Thanos to get his defending gauntlet off, you know, um, I haven't really, I guess like there's still almost kind of like a spoiler embargo amongst most of the people that, that I talk to about film. So we haven't really had a chance to discuss it. I talked to a couple of people that, um, that you and I know after our second viewing, um, a little bit after, um, afterwards. Um, but, uh, I kind of expected kind of like, uh, maybe some bashing on like star Lord's, uh, actions in the film okay. um, i don't know i don't know if that's if that's happened but you know i haven't heard anything about it but you know i thought i fully expected it uh, considering how emotions were riding high seemingly to a lot of the public at large after the film yeah i i haven't talked to anybody who specifically brought that up as like a like a negative point um you know i mean like like you said i think it's true to his character um and you know, I mean, this is the this is the film where he and Gamora like profess their love to each other. You know, so finding out Gamora's dead is certainly going to trigger him. Um, so I don't have any problem with that. I think that you know, as far as uh, dr- drama goes, building tension in that scene, you know, knowing that he's pissed off and could potentially ruin this moment for for everybody. Uh, you know, that the universe hinges on it. Uh, I, I thought that created a lot of suspense in that moment. So yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I think specifically that fight. Um, I really, really like that fight scene. Um, the way it was shot, um, the way Thanos uses Infinity Gems, 
I think uh, seeing that play out reminded me quite a bit of actually reading like a a comic book uh, action scene. Yeah, each character jumping in, taking turns, you know, acting as part of a plan. Um, I thought that was realized uh, epically. You know, I I quite enjoyed that scene. Um, yeah, quite a bit more than like say than the Wakanda battle sequence, personally. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, them kind of like jumping in and out of like the portals that Doctor Strange is creating uh, certainly feels very dynamic. Uh, you know, like I, I know our theater uh, really laughed like out loud uh, when Star Lord gives him the finger. Yeah. Um, and I found you know Spider Man's um, actions in that scene funny too when he's jumping through portals and going magic. You know, magic with a kick, <laughs> more magic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so. Tom Holland, man, like he—he's really impressed me with like his uh, handful of performances as Spider-Man. Though I, I quite like him a lot. So yeah, absolutely. And you know, and I guess uh, when you're talking about like, um, I guess dramatic moments, the the moment when he when he uh, fades away, you know, I think that's that was probably for me. I thought that was the most uh, emotionally draining uh, out of anyone in this film. I, I figured that would probably be the case. That was actually like a point uh, between um, Chelsea and I after seeing the movie. Like, I, I think on paper it's a really good moment, but I think Tom Holland does not like pull it together for me in that moment. Like, I'm going to be in the minority on this, I know. But like in the theater, like there's that shot where he start he he realizes what's happening and he kind of like falls into Tony's hands. And uh, and he's like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go. And then they they cut to a different shot where he's like laying on the ground, and that to me just seemed like a very wooden performance, like in that last final moment. But that's you know, apparently I'm the only one. So, but that, it made me chuckle for the wrong reasons. His little body was probably gone already. <laughs> But you're right. Like, I mean, on paper, you know, having Peter Parker kind of, you know, like die is, uh, is it's rough. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the guilt kind of compounds in Tony too. You know, he's a youth. Uh, I think, you know, earlier in the film, when you see Tony introduced in the film, you see him with Pepper and they're, you know, he's talking about having a kid and, you know, Peter is the type of person who looks up to Tony Stark as like a father figure. Uh, so I think having, having those two moments, you know, kind of bookend the film. Uh, it kind of make for me specifically that scene kind of hit a lot harder, and not just because I'm a I'm a really big Spider-Man fan, um, but I think you know, as a kid, he sees this as an adventure, but um, he's not quite, you know, prepared, you know, for the toll it would take. And I mean, who knows what it's like to actually die, you know, until you're in that moment. Right. But, I mean, for, for a kid, that's got to be terrifying, you know, especially you know, considering there's nothing you can do and you know, yeah. being helpless, I guess, is probably the worst thing about it. Yeah, and he just got this cool new suit that does a lot of crazy shit, and now he's dead. The suit's pretty cool, though. Like, <laughs> the suit is cool. <laughs> it is. Uh, but don't worry, kids. Uh, Spider-Man will return. Yeah. yeah. Well, Tom Holland's to... under contract for another movie and a half. So. Yeah. I'm coming to Electric Buggalow. <laughs> uh. I did like, um, we haven't talked about Vision and Wanda. Um, I like their scenes together. I, I like uh, that 
in the middle of all of this that, you know, there are these two people who are trying to find some semblance of real life, uh, even though they know that, you know, chaos is surrounding them the whole time. Yeah. Um, one's, one's, uh, one's a government agent. The other one's, you know, fugitive on the run. Yeah. Well, Vision is, I, I feel like, a fascinating character. Um, and, and uh, you know, I mean, he's the he's probably the best part of Age of Ultron. Um, and I think Paul Bettany's performance is great. I, you know, like, like we talked about Thanos um, earlier, having sort of like a, a, a calmness because of his purpose. Like Vision just has that sort of like, like almost like a Buddhist quality. You know, like he, he's very introspective. He's very observant. Um, and he, un- he understands the world and the power that he possesses and uh, the repercussions of the actions that they're all taking. So, you know, I mean, he, he's, he's sort of like the calm at the center of the storm of this movie for me. Well, I mean, he, he's also, I guess, uh, he's a unique being compared to everyone. There's like really nothing like him that exists in, uh, within that movie universe. So I think like the philosophical aspects of his character, I think are extremely compelling. I think like in age of Ultron to the final scene he has with like the last Ultron bot in like the forest is really great. He says something along. I can't, I'm sure I'm going to, you know, butcher the line, but he says something like, um, am I alive? I don't know if I would know if I was or something like that. I remember, I remember thinking, you know, uh, I was really into that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. His, his kind of, you know, wondering about existence, not just his own, but every, everything else, you know, I think it's, it's a nice evolution of the character considering like the development of emotions and how a lot of times that doesn't make sense to even to, you know, someone with him, like him with like a computer processor, like intellect, you know? Right. So I, th- I think, uh, the fact that he's becoming more human, I think, is, is quite good. Uh, plus, I mean, I think uh, the beginning sequence when you're introduced to them and uh, you see them fighting against um, uh, two of the Colobsidian, it's pretty great. Uh, Proxima Midnight and um, Corvus Clave. I think that fight seems really good. Yeah, and the in- introduction of, uh, of Black Widow and Captain America in that scene. Yeah. So. And Falcon. Yeah, and Falcon, yeah, I forgot about Anthony Mackie. Yeah, he has so little to do in this movie except fly around. And I think he has what, like, two lines in the movie. He says, "This is awkward." <laughs> yeah, and then like uh, he has a couple lines during the battle. Like, you know, he and Rhodey have a little bit of a banter back and forth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I thought you know people don't really talk about it, but the scene when Sam kind of like fades away in the dirt, and then like. And Rhodey is looking for him just behind him, but he can't see him disappear. Yeah. I was like, man, that really sucks. <laughs> He's just I think, missing I think an that, action. I think that, that, was, that was a lot sadder than like T'Challa disappearing, I thought. so. But, you know, that's just me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think the thing that uh, makes T'Challa's disappearance uh, great is... Um, I can't remember the character's name, but uh, like his, his guard, uh, the the leader of his special guard. What's her name? The girl. Okoye. Group. Okoye. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's her reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Cause think, her know, reaction is like a combination of like confusion and anguish. Like she really sells it. Like I thought. Uh-huh. I uh, deny Guerrero. Like I think, uh, she does a pretty good job of standing, uh, 
with a lot of these other characters, despite, you know, her not being in the film for probably, except for like the last like 40 minutes of the movie. Yeah, well, same with T'Challa for the most part. Did you notice that T'Challa's costume like just did not look um, like the normal suit anymore? Like it almost looked like he was wearing a shirt from Target. Like <laughs> it, it re- like really that, bothered me for a little while. Like, like that Nehru coat thing? <laughs> yeah, like no, I mean like during the close-up shots when you'd see like the top of it, but he's not wearing the mask. It just kind of looked like he was wearing like a patterned t-shirt. Like <laughs> I just thought it was super odd. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think I think uh, one of the things that um, I remember in the theater was there was some there was some kind of like excited um, whispers during the film when he showed up as they're doing like uh, the Black Panther, I guess the Wakanda like battle chant, war chant. Uh, because he he walks up, uh, you know, he doesn't have his mask on, but he's wearing like the suit. I guess that's the scene you're talking about. But like he's got a, it's pretty flattering his undercarriage. <laughs> I I totally didn't notice that. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe he was like, yeah, you know, maybe maybe make it, you know, not you know, not so hermaphrodite. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, definitely, my th- yeah, well, we were at the senator, yeah, at the theater. There, there are more than a couple of kind of like, uh, uh, maybe like two or three women were kind of you know, kind of cooing a little bit, you know, as we walked up. <laughs> I'm not even touching that. Wow. Chadwick <laughs> <laughs> um, Bosman's a good-looking guy. I guess. He is. He is. He's a handsome dude. <laughs> All right. What else? <laughs> uh, Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage shows up. Like I, I, I remember when they announced that he was going to be in the movie, but I totally forgot it. So like the idea that they, uh, I love the idea that they take uh, someone of his stature and make him a giant. I think that's terrific. Giant, still a dwarf, but giant. Yeah, but um, and uh, I was, I mean, I, I think I understood it, but you can let me know if I'm wrong. But like his hands aren't normally like that. Like Thanos did that to him after he created the gauntlet, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That was that was that was his. Uh, his punishment, I guess. Like, they killed everybody and left him alive, but made it so that he can never make weapons again. Yeah, I think yeah. they just kind of, like, what do you do? Like, hold, like, smelled his hand, his hands, I guess? Yeah, so. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, Peter Dinklage is fine. I don't really know him from a lot of stuff outside of film. A lot of people really like him because of Game of Thrones, but, you know, as someone who doesn't, who doesn't watch that series or has read the books, you know, I definitely have... A pretty limited exposure to his to his work. Yeah, I, well, I'm not going to tell you that you should watch Game of Thrones, although I, it it is pretty good. Like you know, I'm I got to watch it. I'm just I say it. I got roped into watching it, and uh, he is terrific in it. Though he's really really good. Yeah. Um, speaking of TV shows, and I don't want to get away from uh, <laughs> I don't want to get away from Avengers too much, but uh, it, um. Did you hear that there's like a blue Tobias in one of the scenes? I did. The second I heard about it after I first saw it, and now I can't unsee it after seeing it in the second one. <laughs> well, speaking of Tobias Funke, did you hear the news yesterday about Arrested Development? Mm-mm. 
Um, no. Mitch Hurwitz put a statement out on, I guess it was Instagram and Twitter, saying that um, season five was coming very soon. And I think the quote from his thing was, and when I say soon, I mean really soon. Um, so I, I guess that means definitely sometime this year, but it could mean even sooner than that. Yeah, do you think like maybe they filmed it secretly? They it's did. Already- it, it's in the can from what I heard. Um, but the other news was that he totally recut season four. He remixed it and uh, juxtaposed the storylines together so that it's like the first three seasons instead of the Rashomon-style storyline. Yeah. Um, so that that hits Netflix this Friday. Season four? Yeah, so the, the season four remix. Time to revisit. Yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna, I know what I'm doing this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, like, I, like I need an excuse to watch Arrested Development. <laughs> I know. I have a, one of my one of my coworkers at UPS now um, is a big Arrested Development fan, so every now and again we get into uh, a quote-a-thon. So, oh, yeah? Yeah. Is All he right. better than me? No, he's not, no. <laughs> right. oh, sorry, my jealousy showed a little. <laughs> but but here, here and there he knows his stuff, so. Well, uh, any last thoughts on Avengers Infinity War? Um, yeah, I, I thought uh, the Black Order was pretty good. Ebony Maul was pretty terrifying. Um, uh, is he the guy with the rings? Uh, he's, the, he's the guy that, uh, yeah, tortures um, Doctor Strange. Strange. Yeah. Yeah, he, well, he, he seems, like, incredibly powerful. Yeah. He's, so. um, He's kind of, I guess he's not, he's not really like the leader, but he's, he's one of like, he's like an acolyte, I guess you could say of Thanos. Like he believes in him so strongly that like his fanaticism right. is, is pretty scary, I think. So I think everyone else does believe him, but they they had to have a quiet, I think his, um, his eloquence and like his kind of viciousness and the comics specifically, you know, has always made him like a big favorite of, of mine. Yeah, all I could think of when he showed up on screen and started kind of like floating around and doing things was that like that could have been what the Mandarin did, like if they had chosen to do the Mandarin, right? Because he's got like magic rings. Uh, well, he's—I mean, he wears rings. <laughs> I mean, that's not the source of his power, I guess. But you know, oh, really? Doctor Strange has rings. I thought that was the whole thing about the Mandarin was that was like that's don't isn't that why they call it the Ten Rings or whatever? Well, like the rings have like different abilities each, so they're they're kind of like Infinity Gems, kind of, but they're like alien alien weapons from like the Kree. So like each when they're together, they're kind of like the Infinity Gauntlet, I guess, to a degree, but you know, much weaker. But each ring kind of gives a different ability. Yeah, well, that's what it reminded me of. When he's floating around, though, it made me think of, um, uh, I guess, the Kabuki Man in uh, Big Hero 6, moving through the streets and stuff. Never saw Big Hero 6. No. Man. (laughs) Never mind, then. That's what I mean. (laughs) It's a a Marvel movie, I guess, so. (laughs) Yeah, they should have Baymax in the next Avengers movie. Nah. Nah, probably not. <laughs> it would be a whole new round of uh, million-dollar toys that Disney could sell. Yeah. Baymax next to the Hulk? Nah. I think uh, Baymax should have a shared universe of other stuff, and there are plenty of other characters in the Marvel Universe that they could tap to add to it. I don't think that it needs to be anywhere near like MCU, yeah. aside from you know a character wearing like, a Captain America t-shirt or something. That's fine. 
Did you go back and rewatch any of the other MCU movies? Uh, no, I I did watch uh, rewatch Doctor Strange the other day, uh, two days ago. Okay. Uh, because I hadn't seen it in a while, but yeah, I mean, Strange is pretty good. I I went back and uh, I was gonna I was gonna just go through all of them over the weekend and of course there were you know adulthood <laughs> real real life creeped in and I, there there was no way that was gonna happen. You um, said over the weekend. I don't think you could watch all of them in one weekend either. <laughs> Twenty hours. I mean, uh, well, f- Friday through Sunday. I, I think uh, I, I could have got through. I could have got through most of them. Um, but only if I didn't have anything else to do at all. <laughs> but that wasn't the case. Yeah. Uh, but I, I rewatched um, Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, and Thor. I didn't quite get all the way to The Avengers. Um, and uh, the first Iron Man is still really fucking good. <laughs> it, I, I think the, the last act and the, the battle scene between him and Iron Monger isn't quite the best, and there's a little bit of CGI that that seems dated in it, but that, man, that movie's entertaining, and uh, they, they do a really good job of that, so bravo to Jon Favreau. Um, I was really surprised re-watching Thor. Um, you could... It became comical. Um, I, I still enjoy that movie, but Kenneth Branagh uses so many Dutch angles... That it is it is crazy. It's like every other shot is a Dutch angle. It, like once I noticed it, I could like I, I I couldn't get through the movie without laughing every time a Dutch angle came on the screen. It's, what is a, what is a Dutch angle? A canted camera t- tilted. Oh, okay, like in the Batman, Batman the animated series or Batman sixty six series. Sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Um. But yeah, like uh, so unnecessary. It was absolutely nuts. And right, the other, can, can I, you're talking about Thor. I didn't mean to, to cut you off. But That's like, all right. I'm gonna say my impersonation of Tadanobu Asano and Thor. <laughs> Go ahead. We should not be here. <laughs> so okay, I just needed to say it. The other thing about Thor is that his 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 bleached blonde eyebrows and beard is so fucking distracting. <laughs> I'm so glad that they got rid of that for the the Avengers and everything that followed. Like his hair being blonde is fine, and I'm glad that they just they just gave up and just went dirty blonde instead of like like bleaching it out because his eyebrows and beard are just ridiculous. <laughs> Well, I mean, they, they they kept it that way so he could call him uh, uh, Goldilocks, be called Goldilocks once, and then they're like, okay, we got the joke in. <laughs> yeah, oh, man, crazy. So, um, but yeah, so I'm looking for, I, I'm going to I'm gonna rewatch at least through the first Avengers, just, you know, uh, I want to make sure that I get, get that back in and kind of just revisit those. They, I mean, everybody just looks so different. Um, so it, it's, it's only been 10 years, but like Robert Downey Jr. looks 20 years older now than he did in that first movie. Yeah. Well, he's done 20 movies since then. Yeah. And, well, and Chris, Chris Hemsworth, um, Hemsworth and Evans, uh, both like, I, I guess when Marvel assigned them personal trainers, like they, they went really heavy on the bulk 
Um, but like the like the cutness, the definition, like isn't like quite as there as it is now. Um, so like they 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 almost seem roided up a little bit. I think in those you know, in I don't know. that like, first I mean, wave. Well, you've been watching them recently, but like I had the impression that like they were probably more uh, more fit in the earlier films, you know, for their first exposure than they were than they are today. But I mean, I could be wrong. I, I definitely think they look bulkier in those early films. Like the, as far as like muscle mass, they look larger, but I don't think they look healthier. Like I, I think like, I, I don't know, like Thor had his shirt off in Ragnarok, I think. Right. And like, I thought he looked, probably, probably. I thought, I thought he looked better, I guess in that than he did in the first movie. But what do I know? So, yeah. Well, it's, it's like, if you ever watch like the, uh, the older X-Men films compared to like Hugh Jackman and, uh, the Wolverine. <laughs> he like, looks sickly in the first movie compared to like the new ones. <laughs> in the Wolverine, he looks like the Hulk, man. Like, <laughs> He's jacked. That's for sure. And that's no pun intended right there. Like, <laughs> jacked, man. Uh, so are you, are you looking forward to Deadpool? Uh, yeah, not as much as like, I, as I was looking forward to uh, Avengers or even, or like the Incredibles or anything. I mean, Deadpool looks, looks funny. You know, I'm totally, I'm totally prepared for it to let me down though. <laughs> <laughs> really? Did you not like the first one? No, the first one's good. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I just definitely don't get why people loved it as much as they did. Uh, yeah. I'm kind of with you on that, but I do I just, think that. I just wish the fight scenes were better in the original Deadpool. We'll see. I like that there's, uh, at least judging by the trailer, it looks like they did a lot more, like, physical stunt work uh, and not so much, like, CGI doubling. Um, you know, I kind of see that that being the case in a lot of, you know, one of the big differences between, like, the Fox Marvel films and the, the Disney Marvel films is, especially, like, with the X-Men movies, you get to see a lot more physical um, stunt work than you do in, in these... Uh, newer one uh, MCU films, uh, especially when people are using powers, they seem not to be as fantastical, I guess, as um, like Avengers films and those related movies. Yeah. Well, th- that was actually one of the things that I noticed rewatching the first few MCU movies too, was that like, they're all very grounded. Um, and well, like, we've, we've come to the point now where like, like there, a lot of the stuff's not even, they don't even attempt to do it practically. It's just a CGI, like, you know, it's, it's CGI, like star Wars prequel CGI. It's just everywhere. Um, like they don't even bother to put Downey in a physical suit anymore. They just CGI the suit over him. And with the, the new like nanotechnology that he uses in this film, I guess that makes sense. But like, even in like the last couple of Iron Man movies, like, um, or I guess Spider-Man homecoming, Avengers Ultron and Iron Man three, like there's very few times where he physically is in an actual like prosthetic suit. Well, Stan Winston's dead, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but his legacy lives on, my friend. So, <laughs> yeah, just 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 not in like nineties uh, movies, though. Yeah. All right. Any last thoughts? No, I've said my piece. Hey, are you looking forward to Venom? <laughs> Can we talk about Venom? Ooh, um, uh, well, we can talk about how horrible it looks. <laughs> Yeah, I think it looks like a piece of shit. <laughs> well, you don't like Venom as a character in general, and I don't really c- 
care uh, because I, I was not reading Spider-Man comics when Venom came out. Um, so Venom and Carnage, I know they're, they're big characters in the Marvel Comics universe. Um, and they they sort of, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but as far as like new age Spider-Man villains, like they're the biggest ones. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, uh, you know, like my experience with Venom is looking at the front of a comic book and seeing the design and Spider-Man 3. So I don't give two shits about Venom. Um, yeah, I've read a lot of comics with Venom in it and I, I am also someone who doesn't give two shits about Venom. Um, you know, he's okay as a villain, I guess. Um, but he's turned into an anti-hero, um, fairly quickly, um, after he debuted. And that's based on popularity though, right? I guess, but like Venom sucks though. Like, (laughs) all right, well, maybe I'm like, maybe I'm like being a little too mean by, you know, impressing like my own personal taste on this. No, stick to your guns, man. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's like I say, it's my personal taste. If you like Venom, fine. (laughs) If you like Venom, you suck but, too. <laughs> but like this trailer, it, it it did it was able to do at least something admirably. It was able to take a movie starring Tom Hardy and Michelle Williams <laughs> and make me not want to watch it. <laughs> so I mean, I'm bravo, right there with you. Bravo, Sony. <laughs> I I just don't understand for the life of me how they figured on doing a Venom movie without Spider-Man, changing the story, and then expecting you to believe that it's coincidence that he just looks like Monster Spider-Man. You, you know you know what? <laughs> I, think, I think Kevin Feige, he saw an early cut of that Venom trailer, and that's what made him decide to kill Peter Parker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You might be right. See, I I thought that maybe, just maybe, that at the end of, like, this movie, that somehow there'd be, like, a Secret Wars tie-in, and then he would get the black suit, and that the Venom movie would be taking place, like, years after, like, after Spider-Man already got rid of the suit, and maybe that was the subject of Homecoming 2. I don't know, but... Yeah, maybe that's your answer. Everyone that disappeared, they're now fighting on the Secret War. Yeah, Maybe. I mean, that would be a freaking twist. <laughs> what a twist. What a twist. Contest of champions? All right. Uh, yeah, but so, yeah, Venom looks like shit. In summation. Like, you know, obviously their their main selling point was, like, the costume. I think the costume looks fine or whatever. But, like, their big action, like, showpiece in it was him, you know. <laughs> on a motorcycle. On a motorcycle? <laughs> Look, I'm sure they're keeping something for the actual movie. They're not stuffing the trailer with every great shot of Venom, but like, (laughs) I mean, I don't know how they even roped Tom Hardy into this. Like, he must be a huge, like, Venom fan. Like, he must be a huge comic book fan, because otherwise, I don't understand why he would want to be a part of this. Well, you do do a, a crappy Venom movie once. And then you can do as much Shakespeare as you want afterwards. <laughs> I guess uh, it, it might. Hey, I'm sure Sony brought out the the checkbook. You know, I'm sure he got a pretty good deal, including sequels. Yeah, I guess so. so. Yeah. Now Mich- Michelle Williams, on the other hand, she's fucking slumming. Get ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> sequels. <laughs> oh man. 
Uh, any well, one, just say Ven no. <laughs> <laughs> say no to Venom this summer. All right, so I'm glad I got that off my chest. Yeah, me so, too. Me too. You feel better? Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, the sun's a little brighter. The air's a little bit cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, the Avengers will return, and so will all the characters who are dead. So, <laughs> screw you, Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> but y- you made a fairly entertaining movie out of uh, out of all those moving parts anyway, so there you go. Yeah, kudos. I made lots of money, so, you know. Super, like, super bucks. They totally did. I, I honestly, like, I didn't think they were going to beat Force Awakens. Um, but I didn't think I didn't think they were going to be Black Panther. <laughs> oh well, I I thought they would be Black Panther. I, I mean, I thought they would make two twenty five, two thirty, but I didn't think they'd make two fifty. Um, but well, I don't know. Like I like I guess when I said beat Black Panther, I didn't think they were going to beat Black Panther's total gross for the year. It oh. looks like they're, they're on pace for it. That extra week probably did it for is going to do it for them though. Yeah, there's nothing this weekend really, so it's going to dominate again. Yeah, and I, I, I think. Feel- I feel really bad for, like, the studios who had, okay, let's put a movie out before Avengers, you know, since they've had this date staked out for, like, the last four or five years. You know, let's do it, like, the week before. Give a little kind of programming. And then Avengers comes out and totally fucks up their... (laughs) Fucks up everything. Well, you know what's funny is that I saw three movies over the weekend, and I actually saw Avengers twice, like I said. So I was at the movies four times from Thursday night to Sunday. And uh, the other two movies that I saw, I, I actually like like you are gonna you are gonna laugh uh, when I say this, but the other two movies like I felt like were more entertaining, and they were Super Troopers two and Rampage. All right, well I think we should end this. We should end this now. I haven't watched Rampage, but I hear Super Troopers two sucked. <laughs> Super Troopers two was so funny. I, I thought it was hilarious. Okay. All right. I mean, it's dumb juvenile humor, but like you know, they did it all right. There's those guys, the Broken Lizard crew, are they have so much fun together? Like it's infectious. You can't get through that movie without laughing because every time they even look at each other, they're smiling. So Chad Dexicar, he directed uh, a lot of episodes of Rust Development too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. I think uh, you know, Arrested Development is the new Kevin Bacon. Like, everybody's got a got a connection to it. Uh, no, that's the MCU, man. You know. Yeah, well, these think, days, uh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I think like I think one of the saddest things that the MCU is a byproduct of the MCU is that it's destroyed six degrees of Kevin Bacon. So, like, no one can play it now because it's it's too easy. Yeah, you're probably right. I haven't Stan, tried playing that game Stan, forever. Stan Lee and Hugh Jackman are in <laughs> everything. So there you go. Well, you know, I think, you know, to wrap this up, I guess, um, I, we're, we're in a moment right now where, like, maybe we don't, you know, unless you take a second to really think about it, you can't appreciate what they have done over a 10-year period. Um, it really is truly amazing that they've made, is it 19 or 20 movies? Uh, I don't know. A lot. I think it's 19 movies. Um, and if I'm wrong, don't, don't at me. Um, 19 movies in 10 years, they have kept, with the exception of Terrence Howard and um, Edward Norton, they've pretty much kept every actor intact. They've made 
something ridiculous like $15 billion on these movies. I, I mean, this this takes what they did with Harry Potter to like a completely new level. Like, uh, and and I think on that scale, I appreciate like what they've done because how many other franchises have tried to kickstart something like this in the last decade after Marvel did and have failed? Like they they have done it every step of the way. I mean, they've they've faltered here and there, and some movies aren't as good as the other ones. But they have been able to make every film sort of essential to the franchise. So that every Marvel movie is a huge event. Like even Ant-Man and the Wasp, which is coming out later this summer, and Ant-Man is the lowest grossing Marvel movie. But Ant-Man and the Wasp is still going to open up big. It's still going to be in the top ten. It's just a given because it's got that Marvel logo on it. You know, it's the, their branding has become just exceptional. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I'm... I'm you know, from a business perspective, I'm sort of in awe of it. You know, I, I mean, you know, give Kevin Feige all the credit in the world. You know, DC tried to ramp up their own thing and they have failed miserably at every turn at this point. Uh, you know, and I hope they succeed. I really do because I like DC characters, but this is pretty special. You know, and and, and I think a lot of us are just at this point taking it for granted. But, you know, it's pretty amazing what they've done. I'm marveling at it. I DC what you did there. Oh snap! Okay, that's enough. This is this this podcast is like fading in quality quick. I thought we were going to keep this under an hour. Yeah, we and might. With us, whatever we plan ever happen. I'll cut some shit out. <laughs> I'll cut all the dumb stuff I said out and leave all the good stuff that you said. Okay, good. that's pretty much my plan for every episode, though. Acceptable. <laughs> I, my whole goal when I go through is to make Cesar look good. Thanks. No problem. You didn't. See, you can't see me, but I just like I brushed hair over my head real that, quick. That's what friends are for. Fabio style. All right. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed Infinity War. Uh, please, you know, join the conversation. Uh, hit up, you know, our our community board on Facebook. Um, tweet, um, tweet at us. You know, do what you need to do. You can find me on Twitter at setting the frame. Uh, Cesar, where can they find you? Uh, you find me. Um, at filmsmash.com, uh, as well as on Twitter, at Junior B. Hope. Yes, if you want to talk Infinity War, go to filmsmash.com. <laughs> I think for real, this time, though, we'll, we'll set up uh, like a spoilerly thread for Infinity War discussion, at least once this episode goes up. Absolutely. I didn't really do it for Star Wars, because I forgot, but we'll do it for this. All right, which, I'm leaving you in charge uh, of that. Yeah, by all accounts... Uh, this episode should be edited pretty quickly, though, yeah? And then you try to get it up soon? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. All right, kids. Uh, Cesar, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks, CJ. All right, have a good one. Thanks, bye. Celluloid Jelly was recorded using Google Hangouts, mixed using Apple's GarageBand software, and hosted by Podbean. For any inquiries related to celluloid jelly, please email settingtheframe at gmail.com.